Welcome to Strap On Your Boots. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode, I have an old friend, Sean Roy from Yellow Dig. How's it going, man? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Excited to have this conversation with you, Jason. Yeah, and like we were like we were talking before we started recording was that we actually have mutual friends and we talked years and years ago and I mentioned this is pretty cool that your company is still running after all these years. So congratulations on your success for your gamified active learning company. And um before we jump into what your company does, you know, the topic of the episode is how to teach and learn in a post-COVID world. I want to know what were the main challenges you found in, you know, we'll say from 2015 to 2019, your company was running and then COVID happened? What were the main things you, you noticed you had to adapt and pivot and change? You know, I think from a company standpoint, you know, we, we focus on active engaged learning in the classroom and outside the classroom. The biggest thing we saw is that before COVID happened, we were almost on the fringes. So we were almost seen as a bolt-on to the classroom. But after COVID or during the COVID, and as the pandemic was kind of rolling out, we saw a big shift towards using us as a transformative element in the classroom. So kind of using technology to drive better learning, which wasn't the case before COVID. Makes sense. So it's it almost sounds like COVID maybe helped your business in a way. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, you know, from a nuts and bolts standpoint, from like financially and number of growth in customers, of course it did. But I think the bigger shift that happened was kind of really thinking about technology in a slightly different way that never happened before. And what were what were like the top three things you noticed that you noticed the technology had adapted to to COVID? Like what were the top three things you noticed? I think the biggest thing I would say is that a lot of instructors who have never used technology were forced to use technology for the first time. So, you know, I would say maybe five, 10 percent of instructors have ever used technology in the classroom. That was a big change. And, you know, like anything else, like there's always a learning curve. So people went through that forced learning curve. And I think out of that, you know, there were a lot of noises. People had mixed experiences, but it wasn't you know actual online learning. It was remote learning. But out of that, I think people have now starting to see some other benefits of using technology. That's the biggest thing I can give other two, but I, I don't know if that makes sense to you, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. And so what were some of the challenges these teachers were maybe complaining about, or maybe they weren't really able to adapt very easily? What were like the main things they were having issues with? Well, if you remember when COVID happened, you know, in a matter of weeks, we went from a fully physical world to a fully virtual world. And Education is one of those sectors that don't really react well to forced technology. I mean, it takes time for people to really think about how do they teach and, you know, students learn. So the biggest challenge was it was almost like, you know, you're teaching and now you're in Zoom, like use Zoom, good luck with that, right? That was the world they were living in. And we were the entrepreneurs, we could say that, okay, there is a better way of doing it. But that message was, of course, very chaotic. Like there were so much things happening in their lives. I mean, imagine a teacher at that time trying to go online that's one thing. And then trying to use better technology, that's something else. So I would say kind of, you know, at least it opened the door for us. And now we have been working through that door for the last couple of years. And I, we are seeing some really good things happen in the sector. That's great. So it sounds like COVID kind of exacerbated an issue where technology doesn't really fit with learning, which I've heard, you know, a lot of issues from people I know who are teachers, right? They Students aren't listening, they're in their beds, they're on their phones, you know, they're not looking, they're not listening, they're playing video games, who knows what they're doing at home, right? So it's very, it's a very difficult thing to do. And um, maybe what's happening here is, like you said, they're being forced to adapt, and you're finding new ways of incentivizing 
students to learn, right? So gamified active learning, what does that actually mean? You know, what it means is that, you know, to your example, right? I mean, students are, let's say the teacher is trying to engage a student and they are at their home. Like, how do you really make sure they're engaged? Only way they will be engaged is if they're truly motivated. Imagine a kid who is playing a video game. You know, you will almost have to really fight hard to stop them to play a video game. <laughs> right? That's how it is. But if you think about classroom, like, hey, now just go take your class. Like, people will procrastinate and they'll wait till the last moment until they have to, you know, submit their assignment. So that's the behavior that most students are. And, and you know, a lot of the times we tend to blame the students because we say that, hey, you're not engaged in your learning process or you're not really paying attention. But I think it's a disservice to the students because I think what we truly have to think about is how do we truly motivate them so that they find the learning environment as engaging as a video game. So that's all about. So what we do is we take the best parts of gameful learning, like from video games, and we take the best parts of social media, the good parts of it, there are a lot of bad parts as well, and we can merge them together to make it an engaging experience. For the students. So that, that sounds interesting. Take me through if I'm a new student and I'm coming onto your platform and I want to learn with this gamified kind of, uh, you know, functionality. Take me through a quick little user experience. So, you know, one example would be like, let's say you are learning about, you know, you know, let's say I'm a master student. Let's say I'm like an adult learner, you know, I'm in my MBA program and I'm taking my course in finance. Now, a lot of the time, students, when they are taking these courses, their only interaction with the professor or the teacher is when they are in these classrooms, either it could be a physical classroom or in an online classroom through Zoom. And then they get a bunch of assignments, right? They have to read some materials on their own, and they actually have to submit those assignments maybe end of the week. That's kind of the experience that they right. have. When they use Yellowdig, the first thing they do is that we put them into a community with their fellow students together. So the first experience is that you're taking this finance class, but now imagine I have these 20 other or 30 other students who are from different parts of the world or maybe in the same city, but they're starting to know each other, right? I mean, we, we, the first thing you always do is to introduce yourself. Interesting. Tell us why you are, why, you, why you're excited about this course. So that's how we see the kind of the, you know, people are starting to get to know one another, the human connections start to form. You think, you know, it's my family or this is why I'm excited. Or I want to get into this crypto, whatever that is. And these things start to break it down and people start to kind of really open up essentially as human beings. And that has a big impact how they learn. The so it's, example it, I would give you. It, it sounds almost collaborative, right? Because I remember, you know, decades ago when I went to college, I didn't know most of the people in my class, right? Uh, most of the students in my classes, I, I, may, I might have known two or three people. Everybody else were just in the class and I didn't know them. So it sounds like now in this case, I might have had a chance to know all 20 students because we're collaborating in maybe chat rooms or, or community community rooms. That sounds very interesting to me. I, I think that, you know, if people can embrace technology a little more, then they would be able to, it sounds like, collaborate better. Now, I, I want to I backtrack for a second. I know we talked a bit about use case, but I want to backtrack. When you first started out as an entrepreneur, because my listeners are entrepreneurs who are either just starting out or they want to start out, what were the top challenges you faced getting yellow dig off the ground oh there were i mean i don't know so many challenges uh, oh give me your top your top your top challenge what was the what was the thing what was the number one thing you had to do to break through in order to either get funding or get your first customer or be able to do this full time like what was the thing that really you you said oh i finally did it now i can continue like what was that what, what was that challenge 
Right. So look, I mean, as an entrepreneur, there are so many challenges, like, you know, there are levels and layers of challenges, but if I were to kind of, you know, sort the thread between them and what is the one thing that kept me going, you know, that is kind of another way of putting it is I would say it's like, I feel like I got a little bit obsessed with this idea of actually building something in the space. Um, you know, when I started off, of course, I had a general idea, like many entrepreneurs, like this, I want to build a product that's going to make learning better. Right. But over time, I started to interact my, with my users and I saw how the product is being used. And in that process, I felt that I got obsessed with this thing. I, I kind of say that I need to solve this thing. And the question becomes, like, how do you survive to be able to solve this problem and actually make it a business? So in my mind, I think the first thing was obsession about it. And I truly I, I, I truly and I ask, get asked this question all the time. Without obsession, I don't think people can really survive through being an entrepreneur because that's the real question. And then funding and making sure that you have, like you get the paychecks and you can hire a team, that that comes over time with that obsession, I feel. You know, it can also fail. I mean, you know, many ideas fail, but I feel without that, it's just very hard to succeed. It's a good one. I like that. I I guess I could uh, say equivalent would be passion, right? If you're passionate about your idea, you're kind of also obsessed about it because you, if you're passionate about something, you normally think about it all the time and you work on it all the time and it's all you can think about, right? So that makes sense. Now, you mentioned to me earlier uh, that you had to break through the technology barrier with teachers, right? But I'm guessing you were also in a regulated space, you know, higher education, K-12. I mean, there's got to be like rules and, and laws and regulations for this. How did you navigate all of that? It's a very good question. I wish I actually studied all the regulations before I started the company. So, (laughs) I mean, honest to God, one of the things that happened was two years down when we were building our first version of the product, we started to learn about a lot of these regulations, things like FARPA, things like ADA compliance. And when you actually dig into it, you will realize is that a lot of the early decisions that you make in building a technology for education has to be in compliance because otherwise there's no way to go back and make you know these compliant products so for us the path was unfortunately we went through the first three years with the first version of the product and we learned a lot of stuff and one of the stuff was regulation the compliance part and we had to rebuild the product back in 2019 to be able to relaunch it and scale it to the level we, we wanted to scale it to so you know, my advice to entrepreneurs would be like, you know, before you get into a sector, like definitely study every regulation out there because those are the things those are non-negotiable and there's no way around it, you know, unless you are. Yeah, and and that could shut down your company, man. If you're not prepared for something like that, legally speaking, I mean, you could be stuck with lawyers and you you might get stuck with regulators and then you might, you might not be able to afford everything and have to shut down. So uh, speaking of which, you had to also not only navigate this, but you had to also find customers and in this specific industry your customers were what principals of schools or school district uh, administrators like how did you get in front of these people how did you convince them to use yellow dig i mean that's that's what i want to know yeah no that's a great question you know what in higher education i mean one of the things that jason you're asking is that you know the customer said it's a very hard sale by the way like higher education is not an easy sale i can imagine Anybody who's not a business, I mean, it's almost like healthcare. Like, you know, sell, you know, imagine selling into a healthcare system. Like you're dealing with so many complexities from a, just from an enterprise standpoint. So one of the things we realized when we launched our second version of the product is that our true customer is actually the instructor or the teacher. Because that's what what's their problem we are solving. So what we did is when we were scaling the company, we actually started going directly to teachers. 
um, imagine like, you know, going to a business school and rather than going to the dean where you might take like two, you know, two months to get an appointment. There are faculties who are actually interested in using technology in the classroom. So what it, for us, what it meant was that actually researching those people and reaching out to them and being able to convince them to try our product in the classroom. So a lot of that would start with a free pilot where they would not actually do any financial commitment, um, try the product in action. And if you do a good enough job, then they will probably either buy the product themselves or you know, help us get a meeting with the dean. Interesting. So you, so you were actually basically kind of doing a beta test with, with teachers in a way saying, let us know what you think of this. I'm guessing you were getting feedback too and iterating on some requests in the early years, right? So you were implementing that kind of lean methodology in your business as well? That's right. So directly working with teachers, getting a ton of feedback. And one interesting thing I found is that, you know, like any regulated industry or hard to change, you know, sector like higher education, there are innovators. There are a lot of people who are also like desperately trying to make a change. They just can't make it happen. I think part of the thing that we did, I think our team did, and honestly, I would say is kind of finding those people, working with them. And it so happened that they were actually sharing knowledge with one another. Like we found Yellowrig being presented in conferences. We had no idea. You know, professors, teachers, they used us, went to a conference, presented about us to hundreds of instructors, and they will come out to us saying that hey, we want to give it a try. So that has been what our, one of the secrets of our growth over the last couple of years. And that's worked really well to the point that we now have a strategy where we go directly to the instructors in any new institutions that we work with. Um, we, we pretty much actually start there, even though we don't get, get paid, we, we basically say we're going to do a free pilot. Right. And once you see the value, let's have a conversation with the right stakeholders so that we can, you know, we can scale it up. It so sounds like the right move. I mean, try it before you buy it. And, you know, once they see the value, they're not going to want to give it up. It's kind of like an iPhone. You, 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 you give someone who has a flip phone an iPhone and say, here, try this phone for 30 days. They're not going to want to give it back to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. So you're the iPhones of education software. I like it, man. <laughs> we, we, we sometimes say that we want to be the Apple for education. It makes sense. It makes sense. I like it. So uh, let's leave our, our listeners with uh, some words of inspiration. If they want to be an entrepreneur and they want to succeed in their startup, what, what do you tell? What do you tell them? What do you uh, What do you suggest? You know, my, my only suggestion based on my experience is, you know, I am the first time entrepreneur. I was employed, well-employed, you know, quit my job to start something. So firstly, it doesn't really matter which stage in your life you are. You, if you're passionate enough or you have enough obsessed with the idea, you can start any time. Be prepared for two, three years of early struggle because every idea has its own struggle path. We just don't know how, what kind of struggles you might face, but that's kind of pretty much given for most cases, unless you're super lucky. And the third thing I'll say is that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a long process. Like I'm six years into the company and I think now we have a great team, great clients, great customers. We are growing very rapidly right now, but it took us about four years of real hard work to get to that point. So, you know, don't give it up easy. I mean, I would say always it's hard path, but I think once you hit the strike, I mean, it is pretty fun. I mean, I always say that every year passes, I'm starting to enjoy more and more. So I, I hope that's the case. And I may, I'm guess I'm guessing that's the case for many people who are, on a similar journey like me enjoy enjoy the journey and not the destination right and and that's perfect that you left it all you left it off with that so i appreciate it and uh again thanks for coming man this was really cool i'm sure people understand you know they learned a little bit about how to adapt to technology in a tough industry especially education is probably one of the toughest like you mentioned so thanks again sean i appreciate it man thank you very much 
And as always, we will see everyone in next week's episode. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you learned something today, please support this podcast by subscribing to it, sharing it with your friends, and leaving a five-star review. You can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org, where you'll find information about my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, available on Amazon, as well as my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy or Skillshare. I'll see you in next week's episode.